Welcome to Pushing the Limits, the show that helps you reach your full potential with your host, Lisa Tarmati, brought to you by lisatarmati.com. Everyone, welcome back to Pushing the Limits. This week, I have my favorite, favorite doctor, Dr. Elizabeth Ewith. Now, Dr. Elizabeth Ewith is from the Boulder Longevity Institute in Colorado in the USA. She is a longevity expert. She is also um, an orthopedic surgeon. Uh, orthopedic specialist and uh, today's topic is arthritis and everything around arthritis and arthritis is a disease process this is a really new way of looking at arthritis and you're going to find uh, a whole lot of value in this and understanding uh, also disease processes and how they are all interrelated uh, really, really exciting episode. I hope you enjoy it. Before we head over to the show, just like to remind you to check out our epigenetics program if you want to understand your DNA, if you want to know when to eat, what to eat, what time to eat, what uh, types of exercise to do, what works exactly for your specific genetics, then make sure you check that out at lisatarmity.com and hit the work with us button. We also on there have our run, running hot coaching. If you're doing a big race this year, you want a bit of help getting to the start line and achieving your dreams, make sure you check out Running Hot Coaching. Also a big plug too for our longevity and anti-aging supplements. We now have uh, nicotinamide mononucleotide. This is a company founded by Dr. Alina Serenova. This is a longevity supplement that helps upregulate the sirtuin genes. Make sure you go and check out all the science behind that. And we have a new product on the market called trimethylglycine, which works in synergy with NMN. Also helps with methylation and helps optimize uh, the NMN taking as well. We also have a new one, Perfect Aminos. This is another fantastic um, uh, supplement by Dr. David Minkoff, who I've had on the podcast previously, and I'd highly recommend you go and check that out. Um, if you're wanting to understand protein, then check out his book, In Search of the Perfect Protein, and this supplement, Perfect Aminos, which we use with a lot of our athletes, a lot of people recovering, um, older people. Yeah, fantastic thing to um, have a look at as well. So check all those links out. We'll have those links in the show notes and you can go over to lisatarmody.com as well. Thanks for that. And we'll head over to the show now with Dr. Elizabeth Youth. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome back to Pushing the Limits. This week, I have my favorite doctor on earth, <laughs> Dr. Youth. <laughs> Welcome to the show. And I'm already rhyming poems this morning. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing, sir? <laughs> my favorite podcaster. Yeah, you had to say that, didn't you? And human being. <laughs> um, today, you've—I mean, I don't know how many times you've been on this podcast, but you're really absolutely fantastic, and you're looking after my mum. So, what's not to love? Um, today's topic, though, is one that will interest uh, a whole lot of athletes out there, I think, and also just uh, people that are dealing with uh, arthritis. So, arthritis is the theme of the day, um, and actually. Even though it's about arthritis, this ties back into all the big diseases, which is really what I'm interested in digging into. So, Dr. Youth, we have this uh, sort of perception as the lay public, if I can speak for the rest of the world, um, that arthritis comes from when you have an injury and you start to break the cartilage down or the, you know, uh, the joint gets worn down and it's a wear and tear disease. Why is that not quite the full story? So it's really a huge, huge misconception and understanding of arthritis. And 
And, you know, it's funny because we wouldn't think of dementia as you used your brain too much and you wore out your brain, nor would we think about heart disease as, wow, your heart beat too many times, so you wore out your heart. And yet somehow we think about our joints wearing out as, oh, you just used your joints too much. And it's funny, I was talking next to my yoga instructor who needs a hip replacement, and she was saying, yeah, you know, it's just signs of a life well lived. And I was thinking, no, it's not. <laughs> um, you know, it, and so, so just like every, what we're becoming more aware of is that this is an inflammatory disease process, just like brain disease, cardiovascular disease, metabolic disease. It's all part of that, that you know, what we term inflammaging, a disruption in our immune system that leads to a destruction of tissue. And whether that tissue is your heart or your brain or your joints, it's all the same reactive problem, which is your immune system goes haywire. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, and you're right, this starts with those little injuries, right? So we know, for instance, that if you tear your ACL, I tore my first ACL when I was 16, 17 years old. If you tear your ACL, your likelihood of developing arthritis is 80% by the time wow. you're 50. Wow. So it's really high. And that's if you fit, so you did surgery and we think, okay, it's all fixed. You're, you know, good as new, not. So we know that that process starts even when we're young and we have these little injuries or, you know, somebody like you who you think, okay, well, I, I just put so much wear and tear on my joints. Well, every time you're running, right? Every time you're putting that load on your joint, there's this inflammatory process going on and our body's designed to get this inflammation and start healing the joint, right? Mm-hmm. That's a normal response. The problem is when that inflammation stays up, and so we get this imbalance of these pro-inflammatory reactions mm-hmm. without the secondary step, which is the anti-inflammatory or healing stage. So it's the same sense. thing, right, that goes on with COVID, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So why do some people die of COVID? They, you know, it's usually not you know, the, the virus itself, it's the immune reaction to the virus. Yeah. So people develop this, what we call cytokine storm, right? So they get the COVID virus and some people get rid of the virus and they're fine. And other people, and we're seeing this with the COVID long haulers too, right? Other people instead mount this big, huge immune response. And that immune response starts attacking your blood vessels and your heart and your kidneys. So it's the immune response to the virus that sets off this cascade of reactions that ultimately kills you or creates long COVID, you know, the COVID long haulers. It's the immune reaction, you know, to this virus. And so the same thing happens with these joints. It's our immune systems overreacting to injury that now starts to degrade the cartilage. So, you know, that's why what we're doing isn't working. Why, you know, just... Yeah, because that's what I yeah, wanted to dig into. So so this is a, an inflammation or inflammaging process. And this can happen even with young people. I mean, I'm right. dealing with a young man moment, an athlete got, you know, very, very young, major issues. Um, So it's not just a disease of old people. It is um, partly genetic, partly environmental, Mm -hmm. partly uh, injury, and then this disease process that happens. So why is this sort of similar to the things like heart disease and, uh, you know, all of these neurodegenerative diseases, heart disease, all all these things have have that one thing in common, as you said, an increase in the pro-inflammatory cytokines, chemokines, yeah, all of those ILs. I, I can't even remember all exactly. the ILs, IL6s <laughs> and 1s and 15s and 18s or whatever they all are. All of those things go up. 
why in the healthy person? So, like, I've run, you know, 70 or more than 70,000 kilometers and I don't have arthritis. And I had a very bad back injury and I had arthritis in the back, but I have no pain now in the back. Why is that? When you would consider that, you know, someone with no discs left and four of their, you know, things, I should be in pain all the time. And I used to be. Why am I not now? Why am I, what, you know, I, I know sort of why I'm sort of getting to the point of, okay, I've got less inflammation in my body going on because I know, exactly. because I've been learning from people like you. Um, why have I not got the pain that I used to have? What's actually so, going on there? So, so you're exactly on. Uh, you're exactly right when you say this is a conglomerate effect. Basically, if if you have, you know, perfect genetics, you know, so there are some people who can even live life poorly, right, and have perfect genetics. You know, most of us don't. So you, you know, it is a combination of genetics and environmental factors. Um, you know, and then those things propagated by trauma. So you know. I like you. So, so I tore my first ACL at 16, tore another one. I've had four ACL reconstructions. I have end stage arthritis in my knees. My knees have no cartilage left in, but I have no pain, right? I have, you know, my knees are not particularly stable. I have to brace them for, you know, doing things like skiing, but I don't have any pain in them because I've gotten mm. my inflammation under control. Yeah. So much like you with your degenerative discs, we know that degeneration in and of itself is not the cause of pain. It's the inflammation. So what happens when, when the body suffers an injury is you do get very high levels of things like tumor necrosis factor alpha, interleukin-1, interleukin-6, uh, interferons, things like that that get elevated. And then that sets off, you know, this response to healing. Now, the next step should be really within you know, a few days, those go down and we start seeing these anti-inflammatory proteins like interleukin-4, interleukin-10, things like that come into play. So now, you know, the balance goes from this to this and we can heal and recover. Mm -hmm. If it stays here, the next step is you start seeing damage to the cartilage cells. Right. Now go back to the same thing that happens with heart disease or you know brain disease. The same thing that you know maybe you have um, this underlying genetic piece and then you're eating a little bit of a poor diet or you're doing something that's not quite right and you set off this inflammatory cascade. So what's the next step to all this stuff? Well, what we know happens next is that these damaged cells, whether it be in your heart or your joint, create that. Remember, we've all talked about that senescent cell. Yes. Basically the injured cell and what it does. Yep. You know? So what we know happens in joints or in your heart or in your brain is this in, in the joints called chondrosenescence. So the cartilage cells are damaged. And instead of, again, we're going to go back to when cells are damaged and they get old and, and have too much trash accumulated, what they should do is kill themselves off. Yep. That's the autophagy piece. Autophagy, right? yep. When that's that disturbed, word. those damaged cells create proteins that start damaging themselves, the other cells. So, so, so now, that's why when you get a little tiny injury, also they'll start propagating. Like you'll see somebody have a little injury to their joint and then three months later, you re-image the joint and it's like worse and turns later worse. It, you know, and it's not so you're continuing trauma. It's that basically these damaged cells beget damage. So they start spewing out these proteins. So we call them zombie cells. These yep. senescent cells are called zombies, right? Because they spew out these proteins that damage the cells around them. So we know that there's a lot of pieces that go awry. Basically, too much inflammatory cytokines mm -hmm. based on genetics a lot, but also environmental influences, diet, 
right? Those are all things toxins, that play a role. Yep, yep. You know, toxins, toxic exposures, right? So, so again, if you had perfect genetics, you could probably fight off all that stuff. But since most of us don't, now you've got these environmental exposures. So, you, so first thing, we have these high inflammatory cytokines. Second thing, we start getting cell damage. So we basically have senescent cells. Mm-hmm. Third thing is we lack autophagy. And so now we're linking this lack of autophagy or getting rid of damage as a big piece to arthritis as well as other diseases, right? So if we look at where we failed in treating these, this problem, so let's look at the traditional treatments. Mm. Okay, so number one, you go in. um, So first of all, let's start with this, that first injury in my 16-year-old. Instead of just doing surgery and sending them on their way, should I be really focusing on Okay, I did surgery and I repaired your ligament. Now let's make sure you heal appropriately. So we need to turn off those inflammatory proteins at some point. So we use we can use simple supplements to do that. Yep. You know, things like epigallocatechins, what's in green tea. Um, So you can use some, you know, curcumin, things like that, simple supplements to turn down that inflammatory response so that the person heals more appropriately. So in our patients, when we have a young person who has an injury, we get very aggressive in utilizing an approach so that they don't start that cascade right then to having arthritis when they're my age, right? Yep. So, so that's number one, you've got to turn off these pro-inflammatory cytokines, whether it be in that young person or in somebody my age who's presenting with inflammatory joint pain or you with your disc disease, mm-hmm. which are frankly the same disease, whether it's degenerative disc or degenerative joint, it just depends on what part of the body seems to get more attacked. Yep. But so we've got to turn out inflammatory cytokines. Second, what we have to do is we've got to get rid of the damage. So you have to induce autophagy. Autophagy. Right. Can you remind you everybody get, what was it? So autophagy, autophagy is knocking off the damaged cells. The damaged cells, exactly. It's self-death. So basically autophagy is, means in, you know, self-eating, auto phagy, self-eating. Yep. Mm-hmm. So what cells are designed to do is when they accumulate a certain amount of damage, see these nice, young, healthy cells, and then they start going through cell processes, oxidative phosphorylation, they start accumulating damage. And they're designed when they hit a certain point to have so much damage that they go, oop, time to go. And they kill themselves off and they recycle the good parts. That's what autophagy is. Mm-hmm. If they don't, go away. And why don't they go away? You know, why doesn't that autophagy occur? Mostly because of genetics and diet and environment and, you know, lacking, you know, appropriate responses to these, to this. So, so age in itself induces lack of autophagy, at least if you're not doing everything appropriately. Doing, yeah. Yeah. You know, so basically that if, if that, if that's, Cell death doesn't occur. That's why the zombie term is perfect, right? Yeah. These cells should be dead. They should have killed themselves off, just like dead people should die. <laughs> and if they don't, they become zombies. And what do zombies do? Their goal is to take over the world because yeah. they want everybody else to be zombies. So they start killing everybody around them, turning them into zombies. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what these damaged cells do. They start so they're like an everybody else like them. They, they yeah. sort of infect yeah. all the, it's like the, the bad apple in the barrel. Yeah. It's a little bit like why, you know, who, who knows, but it's, you know, it's probably just this, it, it may have something to, you know, from in, in a kind of a protective response. When we're growing and developing, you want some autophagy. You don't want overgrowth of cells. You want some autophagy for cancer protection too, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, if that, if, if so, so basically, you know, you, you, you don't want these cells to keep growing because that's going to also cause cancer. So there's always this balance in everything. So yeah. the, so, so basically 
the that autophagy process, we now are linking to a lot of diseases. And it's funny that arthritis or joint pain or back pain, in all the talk about anti-aging medicine and all the longevity clinics, nobody really focuses on it, right? Mm. That seems to be kept separate. You know, everybody thinks about metabolic health and they think about brain health and they think about, you know, cancer and things like that when we're doing, but they don't think about arthritis. And yet if you look at one of the most debilitating things that happens to us as we age, it's the lack of being able to do anything we love anymore, right? Yeah. I mean, my dad who, you know, lived to be, 91, 92, he was a super fit guy. I mean, he was climbing mountains and skiing in his 80s. And then when his arthritis got so bad, he honestly sort of and couldn't do anything anymore. It sort of was his downfall, right? He sort yeah. of started losing his desire this is to the live. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because so when you're sh- in pain and you're not, you're not going to you know, have your quality right, you, of right. life. Exactly. You know, like somebody like you and I who live a lot of our life by based on, you know, we love being active and doing things. When you take that away from somebody, yeah. you know, the quality of life really goes. Yep. So we keep focusing on these big, bad diseases that, yes, will potentially kill you. But here's a disease that ultimately completely, and it's one of the most common causes of disability. It's way above heart disease and, you know, wow. and all these other diseases as a, cause of, as a cause of disability. Even in young people, you know, it, it's the number one leading cause of disability in people of working age. Yeah. So it's the main reason people get out of the workforce even. And, and this yet, is so you know, preventable to a large yeah. degree, despite genetics and stuff. But it's treatable once it occurs, yeah. right? So, that, like yeah. you said, you have a you have no discs in your back. I have no cartilage in my knees, but we don't have pain no. because we've we, we've gotten our cell health to an optimal level where we don't have all these inflammatory things going on. So, and I notice immediately, like when I if I have a couple of glasses of wine and uh, eat something bad. And then the next day, you know, without fail, exactly. I, I have yeah. more pain in my body. And so I've linked those two events together in my head, but most people don't because they're living that way maybe all of the time. All the time rather right. than on yeah, an occasion. have a good day. Yeah. yeah. And so they, they just think that that pain is normal and that that's just a part of the, 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 you know, the arthritis process when actually, and having come from having a very painful back and, you know, and in my case, doing too much running, causing too much inflammation and, and, and all of that. Um, and now not having it, my God, my life quality is just so much better when I don't have to deal with that pain. And unfortunately, the the sort of traditional approach is either surgery or arthroscopic, uh, you know, knee surgeries and things, or it's steroids, steroid either injections or steroids, taking them orally, which... Right. Uh, why is that not a good idea? And why, you know, if we go through arthroscopic uh, treatments and, and steroids, why are they not... Great. So, so let's talk about kind of traditional place. treatments. You know, because yeah. I come, you know, my background, Lisa, is orthopedics, right? Yeah. I come from this traditional orthopedic background. I mean, it took me a long time to say, wow, what I'm doing is really, you know, not working. Not helping, <laughs> right. You know, yeah. and, and come, but, but your orthopedic doctor doesn't want to hear that, right? They don't want to hear that their bread and butter, which is, you know, steroid surgery, you know, joint replacement is not right. So let's look at like, you know, you know, when, when you look, for instance, at, at, for instance, um, steroid injections, you know, well, Steroid injections temporarily are going to reduce those inflammatory cytokines. Mm. You will feel better. But they also are going to reduce all of those anti-inflammatory cytokines that help you heal. 
So we know very well that steroids are a double-edged sword and that we know that there's there's at least a dozen studies out there now that show, yes, they have some temporary benefit with the long-term being that the disease will progress more rapidly. Mm. So, you know, their use as a temporizing measure and in most orthopedists' mind, let's do a steroid injection. Ultimately, the you know the goal is you're going to need a joint replacement in a year, right? Yeah. And that's and they'll tell people that, yeah, this is this will this will get you through until we do the joint replacement, and they so they wait until it's progressed and they are actually helping it progress a little faster so they can get to their joint replacement, and you know and and that's their their ultimate goal because yeah. you know, that's, that's where the money is. It's, that's it's, where the money is doing replacements, you know, and you know sometimes. And, Replacements can be helpful, yeah. right? I mean, if you got end stage yeah. arthritis, it's a last yeah. resort. You know, replacing a hip, re- replacing a knee can definitely be helpful. I'm not going to sort of say it's never something we want to use. No. But it, the goal would be if we can start addressing this problem when we should be, which is when injuries start first occurring, just like all these diseases, you know, it, then you shouldn't have to get to that stage exactly. where, you know, so... So we know that that steroid injections are a double-edged sword. Yes, they help temporarily, but they're progressing you further down that road. Yeah. So then you look at, okay, what about what we do a lot here in the U.S. and you guys do a little bit less is arthroscopic surgery where somebody comes in with knee pain and they're like, your surgeon goes, well, you know, yeah, you've got you know, some damage to your cartilage. Let's just go in there and trim it up and, you know, clean the joint up. That's, that's sort of, let's clean it up. And I always tell people that that'd be a lot like me going with my dementia to my, you know, my neurologist and them saying, let's just trim out those bad parts of your brain. You know, I mean, it, it may, or your heart makes, makes zero sense. And yet somehow <laughs> people think it makes sense in a joint to go clean out the damaged cartilage. Well, what we know is that arthroscopic surgery, again, may provide some temporary relief. It seems to actually maybe offer a little bit, but not much much more rapidly progresses the arthritis. In wow. fact, sometimes terrible. very rapid decline. Yep. I just saw a patient last week who had a little tiny cartilage tear in her knee. You know, you know, my age, like 60 something, and she had a little tiny cartilage tear in her knee. And, you know, when had surgery, oh my gosh, she's so rapidly, you should see the, the MRI scans. Really three months apart, wow. went from a little tiny meniscal damage to full-blown horrible knee. Because think about back, what we just said. What did that sticking a scope in the knee, trimming up things, what did it do? Caused inflammation. Caused inflammation. <laughs> right. So now we just <laughs> got all these pro-inflammatory cytokines escalated, started that whole cascade of events to damage more cartilage cells, which damage more cartilage cells. So it, it, it's, you know, it's just frankly dumb to think we <laughs> can go do that. And study after study after study, there's just another one that just came out shows that it is not helpful. Yeah. It's the number one surgery. It's still ignored. Done. It's still uh, done ignored. every day ignored. in every right. hospital. You know? What about back fusions? Are they different? You know? Well, so again, so let's look at back fusion. So basically, why are you doing a back fusion? Basically, the only time back fusion is a successful procedure for any kind of long-term benefit is if you have instability in the spine. So some people... The, the spine actually becomes unstable enough that when they're moving, the vertebrae are shifting back and forth. If I can stabilize that segment, I do help with their pain. But if people just have degenerative discs and you're treating them by the fu- by, with a fusion, the overall success rate of that surgery for long term is about 10% of people are better. And it's wow. a little unclear even why that many are better. Because again, have you treated the disease process 
Yeah. No. And again, what have I done if I fuse L4-5? And, and you see this all the time. The people come yeah. back a year later and they're like, oh, now L3-4 looks exactly. bad. Exactly. That one, then L2-3. Because okay. actually, again, even though that segment's fused, it has no motion and you're probably not going to have pain at that level. The disease process is occurring at every other level of the spine. Yeah. And now we have this, there's, a, there's a great study. I always show, you know, all my, my patients that came out last year that showed that degenerative disc disease is an inflammatory disease, very much so. Yeah. And they, they showed very high levels of interleukin-1 beta and interleukin-6 and something called nuclear factor kappa beta. And so, you know, it, and if you block in mice, if you, if you blocked those and you stuck a big hole in the disc, nothing happened. So we know we have to treat those and not the disc itself. That's, that's the end game. Treat the, the problem that's causing the disc damage. It's going on at every other level. It's also why degenerative disc disease, degenerative joint disease are those patients have higher risks of cardiovascular disease. Exactly. This yeah. is the other thing. Like this is a, actually it's a warning signal, isn't it? Right. Because, right. you know, I've um, got my brother at the moment who's had a hip replacement and now the other hip's going in and, and yeah. his mind, that's logical progression, right? <laughs> it's uh, I've done this and, and I'm like trying to get him to understand that this, and it's only moderate at the moment, um, you know, we may be able to save you from having this or at least delay this and have a lot less pain in the meantime if we did these X, Y, Z, in which we, we're going to get to in, 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 a, in a little bit. Because, but it's a hard, it's a hard jump. It's you no, know, it's a mechanical thing. Right. I've got mechanical damage from a mechanical thing. One hip was gone, so therefore the other is gone. And I'm like, actually, if we look at your, you know, cardiovascular health, cholesterol, all of these things, you'll start to see that all of those processes, and this is just generally speaking now, you know, all those 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 aging processes are going on in the body elsewhere, and it's showing itself. And this is actually a big right. warning sign it's like you know when i have something bad and eat bad and drink bad or something then i get more pain in the body and that's a definite correlation then that's a wake-up call and and by the same token when someone has this degeneration it is a wake-up call to actually go i need to step back and re-examine things like your diet your supplement regime your exercise regime and all of these things and how do i get my pro-inflammatory cytokines and chemokines and everything's down and how do I increase the anti-inflammatory? So I think that's, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, sorry. Yeah. I mean, you're exactly on, like, you know, your brother's that classic patient and, and they, you know, and they keep getting reinforced by their orthopedist the to say, yeah. yeah, to say, oh, well, you know, yeah, of course your other hip's going to go because now it's going to take more load, you, you know, and then, and then you see the knee go and they're like, yeah, well now it's because we altered the gate a little bit. So your knee's going to go, mm. you know, it's not patients on. I see who go first hip and then second hip and then knee and the next knee. And yeah. is this ever a wake up call that something <laughs> else might be wrong? Uh, you know, uh, you know, honestly, they just still think it's a mechanical thing no. from walking different or, you know, right. going different. And it, it yeah, it, it's too, it's a simplistic, yeah. it's a simplistic yeah, it's way. It's not from a life well lived. It's not from overuse of the joints, uh, you know. Um, Otherwise like said, I'm bugging and you're bugging long ago. Yeah, you know, <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's huge. And, you know, I can, I can look back now and say, there's a lot of things I would have, you know, done differently to not have my knees where they are right now. Right. You yeah. too, like, you know, that, that for you was probably an overtraining phenomena for me, probably, you know, stress and, you know, so my genetics and poor sleep and all the other things that I did, you know, so, so there's a lot of pieces and the problem is when we're young, we actually don't, we don't think that way, right? Think, oh, injury, I'll get better. Or, you know, I can do anything. I can, you know, I can not sleep. It's okay. Cause I'll sleep when I'm old, yeah. you know, and all those things, that's where we have to start educating people. We're really trying to get into the heads of these, you know, 20 year olds and say, you know, this process is starting when you're 20. Yes. It's like your brain diseases and your heart diseases and your cancers are all those processes are starting in our twenties. You know, I'm playing catch up to, you know, damage done yeah. It'd be a lot better to prevent the damage in the first place. Yep. But yeah, again, I like mean. you and I, even though we have these completely worn out parts, why have we gotten our pain under control? It's because we, yeah, we fall in. And I like you, man, if I eat gluten, my joint, my knees hurt like stink. If I, you know, um, if, if I drink alcohol, if I eat sugar, I mean, you know, those are all things that are, you know, oddly enough, you still every now and then do it, right? Yeah, you still, we're still human. <laughs> you know, it's cravings. Like, I don't know how our brains can continue to say, oh, this makes me feel really bad, but it tastes makes really me feel good, good right now and I'm stressed. Yeah, we're still driven a lot by that momentary health happiness somehow. <laughs> but, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's a daily battle <laughs> for all of us. It's a daily battle, right. Yep. But, you know, but but the, the more you, you know, the, the more you get trained into it, eventually you start getting compelled. But it's really yep. hard to convince the 20-year-old that, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. that injury you had is not going to just get better unless you do this and this and this. Yeah. So, you know, I think there, there's, you know, the, the big lesson is, that this is this is a disease we have to start addressing at, at young age when somebody has their first injury and looking at things, and we have to start addressing the people now, you know, like myself who, who are older and have arthritis, to help their overall well-being so they don't get progressive worsening of not just other joints, but every other body part. It's yeah. just so strange to me that the joints have been excluded. I mean, think about all the doctors you listen to who are the functional medicine, you know, biohackers, all the people, you know, I don't, I, you know, I don't even those big biohackers, you know, like, you know, no one talks about them talking about joints, right. No. They don't talk about joint pain mm. as that, you know, it, and, you know, um, they, they somehow the joints have been separated out from the rest of their body and we need to change that paradigm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a great yeah. article that came out of British medical journal, Last year, it said, is 2021 the year we rethink arthritis as an inflammatory disease? And, you know, I was hopeful, but it Science. didn't. And, and we'll this year, no. <laughs> and, and I think the problem is, again, like, you know, why, you know, and I guess like every other disease, there is huge, huge money. Exactly. And spinal fusions. Spinal yeah. fusion is a $100,000 surgery. Also. Wow, really? It wow. a lot of money to both the surgeon, the hospital, and the people who are supplying the little screws and hardware yeah. to doing that fusion. Um, joint replacement is the same thing. The, the yeah. Joint replacement is a huge industry. Yeah. If we stop doing joint replacements, you, you know, you, that's, there's a lot there's of money going out of the companies, system. right? There's companies yeah. that would be shut down, yeah. you know, not to mention, you know, these total joint surgeons who, you know, total joint surgeon, my other practice was making a million dollars a year, I mean, Holy you know, heck. you know, so, yeah. so, so, it, so th- there's very little desire. And this it's is so like cancer, right? Or, oh, you know, yeah. 
<laughs> you know, how long is it? It's like 12 weeks with mum's cancer journey, and now we've got no sign of cancer in the M- in the MRI. Uh, under the resolution of the MRI, I don't know, but right now there's no tumours uh, showing right. up. And, right. and, and this is like the same battle with the metabolic approach to cancer. It's not going to make anybody rich. It's not, you know, and it, right. this is just pervasive. I mean, we've had this conversation, right. and, you know, and it's not just evil people. There are those. But it's also just the way the system's growing over time. But what that means for you as the individual listening to this is has to go, okay, when I go to the butcher, he's going to, you know, give me meat. When I go to the surgeon, they're going to want to do surgery. That's what they know. That's what they're taught. And uh, so don't expect a different recommendation. So therefore you as the, as the, as the, as the consumer of all of this or the, the, the patient has to go, okay, we're, where is the actual research at, which we can access now? You can go and read the British Medical Journal or PubMed right. or whatever and find out all these things. Uh, not everybody knows how to do that, I know. Um, but you can access that information and you have to take that proactive step rather than going somewhere where that's what they do, that is the standard of care, and you're going to be the next in line to get the standard of care when actually the science has moved on 20 years from here, but well, it's not getting through to there because money education, whatever the case may be, standard of care rules, blah, blah. Um, if I, yeah, I'm so big on that because I want people yeah. to understand the mechanisms that are at play in this whole medical world. So you have to actually take steps to, and, you know, like I come to you, I have mum under you that cost me money and it cost me more than going to my local right. doctor. Uh, and I get better than local doctor results. It's just the way it is because you're not getting funded to see me by the government or anything, so I have to pay for that privately, and I'm, you know, very lucky that we've been able to do that. But you have to understand that that's that's, that's what you're in for, and therefore you need to sort of prepare for that as well. I mean, getting off into a financial thing. Yeah, but, I mean, that, that's you know, always, you know, that is a really hard thing. You know, it was, yeah. um, it, it's always a hard thing in our business that, that, People, you know, especially here, but for you guys too, people are really caught in the well. You know, I've got this approach that somebody's going to pay for me to yeah, get this that's free, this or this approach yeah. that I have to actually pay to understand this and maybe pay for some of the treatments because because they're not they're out of the realm of of you know traditional practice and and you know and so the, it's frustrating. The hey? is, is, you know, we we put. Again, people spend so much money on things like their cars exactly. and their homes and, you know, a, literally instead of their health. And you, you, it's funny. I just I, somebody just posted something about that, you know, on an Instagram post. And I responded. I said, yeah, the number of patients. So I walk in my office and they go, oh, well, that's way too expensive for me yeah. to do. And then I see them walk out into their, you know, Ford, their Lexus, you know, or something. Their Lexus yeah. car. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> crazy. I'm, you know, I'm going to put my money on my health because. You know, as I think one of one of my Instagram followers, you know, responded. Yeah, my grandma always used to say, "There's no, there's no banks in the cemetery." You know, it's yeah. You know, we can't. People once you get sick, like I have cancer patients who will give their life savings yeah. yep. to get well. So we do. The problem is once you get <laughs> sick, right? It's it's a little bit more compelling, especially if you've exhausted traditional options. Then people are going to spend the money, right? But to compel people who feel like well, you know, I can get this paid for and your treatment's going to cost me money. You yeah, know, I don't know up. how we get people out of that mindset. You know, I know. Health is as important a commodity as anything you're going to spend money on. Probably and prevention 
is yeah. even harder because people don't understand. Right. So the prevention thing, like, right. you know, again, the argument with my brother, oh, can you buy these vita- these supplements that I want you to take in order to protect your hips so that you don't have some yeah. like, oh, that's too expensive. I can't afford that. Right. And I'm like, they are. I mean, these things we use. Supplements are really expensive, right? I mean, these a lot of these supplements oh, yeah. are. You're like Jesus. They are super expensive, or you know, or these treatments like hyperbaric or things like yeah. that. They they are expensive treatments. I mean, you're like in hyperbaric, but yeah. if you don't. You can spend thousands of dollars a week sometimes for hyperbaric therapy, and yep. you know, and 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 yeah. So so it is really really hard. Yeah, it is. I, mean, I don't know how. Do that every day. It's so funny. The plastic surgeons are doing fine, however. You know, people are more than willing to spend that money on their facelifts and things like yeah. that, yet internally to feel better, they're not. So we do have to kind of change that paradigm. Uh, I think it's slowly occurring, but mm, that's a, you know, that's, that, that is a tough road. Yeah, for me, it's just logical. Having been there and having seen the devastation of a terrible uh, illness that I could have, you know, like right. prevented if I look back, you know, 10 years before mom had the aneurysm, what would I have saved myself? Not money, stress, time, looking after her, you know, all the fear, yeah. the blah, blah, blah. The, um, why didn't I go back 10 years ago and, you know, start getting her into stuff back then or yeah. start educating myself? I didn't myself. know it, right? I mean, so. It wasn't urgent, was it? Was- Just interrupting the program briefly to let you know that we have a new patron program for the podcast. Now, if you enjoy pushing the limits, if you get great value out of it, we would love you to come and join our patron membership program. We've been doing this now for five and a half years and we need your help to keep it on air. It's been a public service free for everybody and we want to keep it that way. But to do that, we need like-minded souls who are on this mission with us to help us out. So if you're interested in becoming a patron for Pushing the Limits podcast, then check out everything on patron.lisatarmaty.com. That's P-A-T-R-O-N dot lisatarmaty.com. We have two patron levels to choose from. You can do it for as little as $7 a month, New Zealand, or $15 a month if you really want to support us. So we, we are grateful if you do. There are so many membership benefits you're going to get if you join us. Everything from workbooks for all the podcasts, the strength guide for runners, uh, the power to vote on future episodes, uh, webinars that we're going to be holding, all of my documentaries and much, much more. So check out all the details, patron.lisatarmaty.com and thanks very much for joining us. Well, and also we didn't, I mean, the, the amazing thing about this business, as you know, is that it is changing rapidly. Yeah. I mean, the, the new things that are available that you you have to be up on this this literature up on this education. I mean, you know, I spend a lot of money every year just to go learn because it is a yeah, field that is, yeah. right, it's changing so rapidly that you have to stay up on it. Yeah. And so, you know, so it is another, another hard thing is that, you know, we, we will, we will look back in another year from now and say, wow, we should have been doing that, you know, five yeah. years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, you know, we are in this realm of this field that's growing exponentially in our understanding of how to, how to cure disease and cure aging which is every one of these diseases right yeah you know 
all these diseases come down to curing aging, which is this is all this immune inflammatory process that causes our, you know, aging of our cells. Yeah. And so if we go back to the um, arthritis stuff, what are some of the practical things? What are some of the supplements we can take? What are some of the diet recommendations that you would make? Uh, how can we get this inflammation and inflammaging process and the senescent cells gone and the autophagy happening? What, what's, our, what's our best plan of attack if you have someone listening out there who needs the joint replacement or has That'll arthritis? take it down to, okay, like I said, First thing is you've got to balance that anti-inflammatory, pro-inflammatory. You've got to get down those pro-inflammatory cytokines. Mm -hmm. You have to reduce some of these enzymes. So when when our body's in a, a joint or any body part really is in a has these very high inflammatory cytokines, these inflammatory proteins. One of the things they do is they accelerate these 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 enzymes. Something called metallomatrix protein three and these atom enzymes. I always like to describe these enzymes as scrubbing, like, like you have a spot on your wall and, and now you're like, oh, I should get rid of that spot. And you start scrubbing the wall so hard that the spot's gone, but so is the wall. Yeah. So that's what happens with these enzymes. They get upregulated, but they just keep going. So now yeah. they didn't just get rid of the damage. They actually got rid of the joint, the cartilage, the synodal, you know, all the tissue. So you've got to get rid of the pro-inflammatory cytokines. You've got to reduce these degradative enzymes. And that's a tricky thing. Yeah. And you have to repair the mitochondria, get autophagy back, and then you can do things to actually repair the joint. All the all you guys who are going and getting stem cells and things like that, you know, if I have if I, I, I just put a great picture up on my on my Instagram that came up that showed the senescent cell and a stem cell and the senescent cell just spewing out these proteins that were damaging the stem cell. So if I stick stem cells into your joint, yes, it's full get... of these damaged chondrocytes, it's just going to damage it. Yeah, it would be great if they were gone. And then put, yeah, so right. you would do it the other way around, so, get rid of it. And then right, get rid of the inflammation stuff. first, and then you can do reparative things like stem cells or platelets or you know other things to actually repair the cartilage. So, so, you know, one of the, and this is actually a drug we actually stole from Australia called pentacin polysulfate. And this is a pharmaceutical, so you do need a prescription for it, but yeah, I'm trying it's to very find it. cool. <laughs> yeah. It's a very cool pharmaceutical. And we do actually, you know, we can send it to people who are like uh. in, in, in other countries. So it is available. Um, you we have to have it sent to us and then we can send it. But, um, but basically pentacin is very cool. It's what we call a repurposed drug, meaning it's an approved drug just for something else. Um, and so they started exploring it in Australia. A company called Paradigm makes it that, you know, they looked at all its properties and, and actually they were, they were utilizing it as under a lot of investigation for, for some viral therapies as well, um, like Ross River virus and some really damaging viral therapies and, and may actually be useful for COVID and things like that because it does have some very good antiviral wow. properties because mm -hmm. viruses initiate the same inflammatory response. Mm, but they do. what they found is that it kind of addressed every one of those pieces we were talking about. So it reduces what's called interleukin-1 beta and TNF-alpha and interleukin-6. Those are all the pro-inflammatory cytokines. It's one of the few agents we have that actually down-regulates those bad scrubbing bubbles over scrubbing enzymes, the metallomatrix protein-3. So it down-regulates those. And then the other thing we see happen with joints and why they hurt so much in discs is you see upregulation of these messenger RNAs for something called neural growth factors. Mm -hmm. Those get upregulated. We actually see a lot of pain. That's that kind of ah. pain you get with joints. Like, like it doesn't just hurt when you're using it. It hurts all the time. So it's also been shown to 
regulate the mRNAs for this neural growth factor. So it actually, it actually kind of treated, treats every aspect that's causing the degenerative disc pain or the degenerative joint pain or just joint pain in general. So we'll actually utilize this drug in a lot of our people who have an injury to, to really allow them to heal really well. So, so penicillin was actually shown, you know, even after just six weeks of use, if you follow those people for a year, they actually continue to have benefits. So not just temporarily. And this is an reducing. injection, isn't it? Rather it's an injection than you have to give yourself, a subcutaneous yeah. injection. Yeah. So you have to, so much like a lot of peptide much. therapies, it's just a yeah. subcutaneous injection. So it's something oh, well. we can train people to do themselves. Yeah. Now I will tell Easy. you people like, like me, so I, I stay on penicillin a little bit all the time. Right. It appears that when I go off of it, my body does like to go back into, you know, from wherever my genetics are. You know, yep. if I'm living life perfectly, my body goes back into a little of this inflammatory state and I start feeling my knees get a little bit achy again. So I stay on a small bit, all, bit of it all the time. But some people who have probably less disease or better genetics, they, we can do a little course of it and they are do really well. So, you know, it varies. Wow. But it is a great, honestly, it's been, um, it's been touted as maybe, you know, a cure for arthritis. And, and wow. you know, it may, it may well be that it, it does have that significant benefit, especially if you can start it at an earlier stage. You know, a lot of us are, are, are again, starting at a later stage. So, That's you know, it, right. it, yeah, it's, 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 it's a very cool, um, it's a very, you know, it's, it's really kind of amazing. So it's actually treating all the pro-inflammatory mediators. It's helping um, any kind of bone edema. And it actually has some really good vascular properties too. So it actually helps some of the, the vascular changes. So it, it, it has, you know, we're what using a little bit antiviral protection. We're using, you know, sometimes for some of our autoimmune patients. So it has some other benefits. People, you know, the post-COVID stuff with some vascular things going on. We'll use it a lot in those patients too. What about um, neuropathy, like, um, uh, you know, from statins and things like that, or painful feet, you know, and, um, you know that sort of You know, I haven't really tried it much in neuropathy. It has, that's an interesting concept because it may well be that regulation of those NGF, the neural growth factors, it may actually be very beneficial in those mm. cases. Um so I don't really experiment with that, but it might be yeah, something just look connecting at the dots. Benefit. It might be yeah, yeah, it might be helpful in that realm because it does have yeah. so many you know working on some some of these anti-inflammatory things. Yeah, um, yeah. you know, and, and the, but what about simple things that you can kind of just you know get on your own? Well, mm. you know, number one, making sure that you have your nutrients optimized. Like right, you got to have enough vitamin D on board. Uh, you know, so you, you need your vitamin D levels to be 70 to 110. Yep. Optimal vitamin D we know is really important for joint health, you know, along with vitamin C, zinc. Those are, you know, those are all K2. Those are all kind of critical players. So don't neglect simple micronutrients, you, you know, which, no. which, you know, to you and I just, it's like, well, of course. Yeah, they're not really thinking yeah. along that lines. And, no. You know, so you, so and they think they get sure. it from their diet, and that's pretty yeah, yeah. Not, that was right. back in the day, yeah. But right. Not with our diet. Yeah, at some point when you were now. growing food and perfect soil, you know, now, you know, even if you're growing your own food, it's very hard to find soil that's you know nutrient rich. So, you know, so so not not that available. So you've got to make sure you're taking, you know, some supplements. Almost everybody, unless you're out in the sun all the time, um, you know, needs needs vitamin extra vitamin D. You know, yep. a lot of people need extra vitamin C, you know, zinc, K2. Those are all just kind of givens for us. My one of my favorite supplements, honestly, and we use it in our cancer patients too, is EGCGs or epigallocatechins. Which are yeah. GCG, green yes, tea yes. stuff. Green tea, right? So it's yep. what's in green tea. 
And you have to drink a lot of green tea, so it's probably better taken as a supplement. But the EGCG or epigallic catechins have so many benefits. Number one, if you're into muscle building and fat loss, they actually block myostatin. So they actually help with muscle building. So you can actually have somebody put on muscle, even if they're not exercising, just by using enough green tea extracts or the EGCGs. And you have to get to like a thousand twice a day, but you can actually actually just put on muscle. So, And if you're exercising along with that, that can be really helpful. So just from that Mm -hmm. perspective, now, why is that beneficial to arthritis if you put on more muscle? Well, Muscle, remember, is an organ. It's just like your liver or your, you know, it actually produces it's an endocrine organ. And it produces something called myokines. And myokines have been shown to actually have a very beneficial effect for joints. So people who become sarcopenic, who lose muscle, have more joint arthritis. We've always said, oh, that's because they don't have as much support of the joint. Hmm. It's probably because they don't have the myokine release to actually you know, to actually stimulate activity. And that may be why, so some of our people who you can't get to exercise, for instance, are just too frail or they're bedridden for some other reason that using muscle stim techniques, where you're just using electrical stimulation of muscle. So the muscle contracts, even if you can't do it yourself, like you're too sick, you're too, you know, you're too far along in a disease process. We can actually stimulate myokines just by doing electrical stimulation of muscles. And that can help joint health just by doing that kind of stuff. So using electric stimulation units, and there's a lot on the market, can mm. be beneficial to induce these really you know, beneficial myokine release, you know, or just even doing static contraction, like just sitting there and contracting your muscle like this for three seconds every hour releases myokine. Serious guns you've got you know, here. You, know, <laughs> you can do something like that that actually, you know, is super simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To do, right? Yeah. And release myokine. So, so again, more muscle, less joints pain, less joint pain. Now, again, epigallocatechins will help build more muscle, but they also, we talked about interleukin-1 beta, they lower interleukin-1 beta, they lower interleukin-6, they lower oxidative stress. So they're actually very, very aggressively treating all the things that involve, probably mm. not the degraded enzymes, but all those other pieces that are involved in terms of arthritis. But for cancer too, the same the same processes are all going on with cancer. Yeah, so we know that high dose epigallic Yeah, you know, right. That yeah. you know, using the high dose epigallic catechins in cancer can be. It's one of the few things that maybe if you could get the dose high enough and more sustained, that you know could be curative to cancers. So you know, so wow. they have huge benefits. So I, I you know, any, any downside to patients, those like so if you get liver, super high mm. dose, it can be liver toxic. So if you get oh. very high dose, you have to watch liver functions. Yeah, you know, and that's probably if you get above two thousand day. You, you have to at least keep an eye on liver functions. Um, probably at least, so we have our patients do, you know, 500 twice a day. I will go higher than that on some of my patients, but I will follow liver functions if I go higher. I have to say, I've not seen any of my patients get elevated liver functions, but it's been shown that it can become liver toxic at high enough doses. Um, sometimes we'll use, for our cancer patients, we'll use a rectal suppository to bypass the liver um, to, to get very high doses in. So we'll actually have them do as a rectal suppository. So, you you know, um, there's a company yep. that makes a rectal suppository of epigallic catechins that wow. you really need to dose it higher. You can utilize their, without their, their, damaging um, your liver. Yeah. Without damaging the liver as much. Yeah. Wow. So, so okay. you know, um, it, well, again, it, it's kind of, it re, the, the epigallic catechins reduce the inflammation. And it's been shown that what happens is that you actually stop the degraded process. So 
So wherever you are right now, you, you halt the progression of the disease. Now, are you going to grow new cartilage? Mm, maybe not, but we stop that progression. We stop the inflammation and hence stop the pain. Yeah. Again, yeah. You, you do not, you can have no cartilage and no pain or no discs and no mm. pain. Mm. The pain is an inflammatory sign. Wow. So, okay. So, so then, so, couple, so, that's treating the, so that's treating the, you know, the inflammation, pedicin kind of again, again, treating everything. So now, remember, we had to work on that mitochondria or autophagy process, right? So one of my, you know, sort of favorite go-to supplements for that is spermidine. Yep. Um, you know, spermidine, which is what's called a polyamine. And we, our gut, we, we match, naturally make polyamines. We make less as we age. So levels decline as we age. It's available in foods, but again, because it actually comes from a bacteria that in, in, in certain foods. And so foods that have been on the shelf or transported or not grown in perfect environments, it's, it's much even, you know, people always say, oh, there's so much spermidine in this food. When we actually have looked at the amount of spermidine that's in the traditional food you buy in the grocery store, there's very little, even if it's a high, high polyamine food. So really you have to take it as a supplement to make sure you're getting it, you know, and, um, and 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 what what's been shown is that spermidine as as actually works in a couple of places. Number one, remember we talked about the importance of autophagy. Mm-hmm. Spermidine is an autophagy inducing mm-hmm. agent. Yep. So basically, it gets rid of these you know these damaged cells. So that's you know so that's huge because we now have linked autophagy to arthritis. It, but it also works on interleukin six, interleukin one beta. So it's working on that piece as well. Very interesting. They did a mouse study. I think it was 20, um, 2021. It was recently, it was last year. They did a mouse study where they compared using high dose spermidine. So we're talking about like, you know, six micrograms or so a day versus steroids for joint pain. It was better than steroids for joint wow. pain. So it reduced inflammation much more than the steroids for joint pain with the added benefit that you're actually protecting so the joint, not yep. worsening the joint, right? Mm-hmm. And at the same time, protecting your brain, protecting your heart. We know that spermidine is great for brain health. So again, all these diseases overlap, right? So spermidine, um, you know, study that came out um, out of, I think it was, it was uh, Italy last year that showed that you actually were able to, to re- not just stop the progression, which it did do, but even show repair or, or improvement wow. in cartilage cells. So it may actually be a little bit of a, with that high polyamine, a little bit reparative as well. So again, autophagy inducing, yep. anti-inflammatory. So look at the combination of, you know, those, those things together and, you know, and that's huge. I actually have um, spermidine together, right? uh, in yeah. my shop. I've got a few little, I got a small amount and it's very expensive, unfortunately. It's super but I, expensive. Yeah. I, I, you it's, know, yeah. It's super expensive. And that's, you know, again, it is, like you said, Lisa, it's one of the hard things. So, you know, when you're looking at these supplements, what is the most important? And what I'll do lots of times with spermidine is I won't have people just stay on it forever. I'll have them do a pretty high dose yep. for a few months. Um, epigallocatechins are not horribly expensive, so no. you can kind of go to that. Yeah, And then, you know, the other supplement, which a lot of people haven't heard a lot about is, you know, actually a sugar called trehalose or trehalose. Yeah, trehalose. I've got that trehalose now. Trehalose is kind After of amazing, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it, and so, you know, when we look at trehalose, it, it's a very, it, it really impacts oxidative stress and it helps sort of clean up of the cells as well. So it, 
it's, you know, and here's a supplement. It's basically a sugar. It's two glucose molecules, but has zero glycemic impact. And in fact, it actually helps with our diabetics to keep blood glucose under control. That in of itself is probably helpful to joint pain as well. But it's been really looked at for neurodegenerative diseases. Um, in fact, a drug form of it, a very expensive drug form of it is being investigated for both MS and ALS because it has neuroreparative, but it appears to also have joint reparative. Wow. So it was a great study that they did um, out of China in mice where they went and they damaged the cartilage to the joint and they put one mouse on trailose, the other mice not. And if the, if the mouse was taking trailose, they saw zero, even if they went and pounded holes in the cartilage, they saw zero progression into arthritis. Wow. So here's something that's super joint protective that's for those of you who, are, who have injuries or yeah. are doing kind of repetitive trauma activities, right? Like running super high levels or doing sports that are really you know hard on joints. Here's something that you can do. So I use trailose basically as a sweetener for mm. everything. I put it in, you know, I put it in my coffee. Yep, I, I cook with it, right? <laughs> um, you know, it's one of those things where more is better, you know, and it's, it has, it's benign, has zero bad, bad sides to it. It's the sugar, which is nice because you can substitute, you know, any sweetener. And yet it's got probably, no glycemic impact. It's got all these huge, yeah, zero mm. glycemic impact. In fact, it controls blood glucose release. Wow. So, you know, you know, I, I have a, I have a really just genetically, like my mom was very fit and active and, and, um, but she was a type two diabetic, even eating healthy. I was always raised eating healthy and exercising. She was a type two diabetic, which ultimately I think probably was her demise to her brain, you know, and I have a similarly hard to control glucose. Like, you know, I use my CGM. It's just yep. hard to control glucose. And it's interesting how much of a difference trailose makes, um, wow. for me in terms of just keeping my blood glucose rock solid stable. If I use mm -hmm. it really consistently. I have patients, the patient who is a great cook, she makes me cookies with it. Um, you know, here's some, so here's a cookie that you can eat. You know, she just makes it with, you know, it's gluten-free, you know, really healthy cookie that's sweetened with nothing but trailo so I can eat the cookie and have my blood glucose actually go down. Wow. <laughs> Get some of that. I mean, I'm 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 on trailer since I listened to one of your lectures, and I'm like, okay, getting that. And Mum's on it too now, and uh, I have it sort of three times a day, and it's yeah, yeah, it's like a, three times a day, all, like, all yeah, upsides, yeah, sort of kind of a, yeah, all upsides exactly. You know, yeah. so you know, and then there's you know, and then there's always you know things like um, you know some peptide therapies too. Yep, collagen peptides, simple, inexpensive, you know, but collagen peptides, and people are always like, well. You know, collagen peptides aren't all that beneficial. They actually are mixed with some vitamin C. You do see actually benefits to cartilage, to you know, to to cartilage cells. So I this is a drink one or the and or a, an injection one. Like a, you can do a powdered collagen oh, just yep. drink. Just put the powdered collagen in your drink, you know, and do it. You know, um, we like we like a, a collagen peptide called Fortigel, which is Fortigel. a sort of trademarked collagen peptide. Um, and there's a couple of brands that contain Fortigel. But I would okay. look for the Fortigel. It's, it's a trademark type of collagen peptide. And there's okay. a couple of brands. If you Google Fortigel, there's a couple of brands that use Fortigel. And ideally, if it has some vitamin C in it too, mm -hmm. that combination of vitamin C and the Fortigel together, they did a study with it, you know, plus double blind placebo controlled study with just collagen and ranked knee pain, walking distance, and universally 90% of people did better just with collagen. So that's a really thing, simple, easy thing too, that you can sort of add, just add, you know, a little scoop of a collagen peptide, do that every single day. Um, and then, you know, and then other kind of more uh, expensive, aggressive peptides like 
uh, BPC or body protective compound One, yeah, 157. 1.7, yeah. You know, BPC 157, especially combined with a thymic peptide called thymosin beta 4. That combination is also very helpful for joint regeneration. But I would tell you that those are add-ons. Those people who are just going and trying to treat their arthritis with these expensive peptides are probably neglecting the inflammatory piece yeah. a lot. And they're trying to get into this reparative mode when they haven't really addressed all the other things going on, yeah. right? Yeah. So again, get the inflammatory stuff under control, and then you can kind of add those in um, for benefit and for regeneration as, as at that point. So if I get, you know, our patients, we're going to always get all of this inflammatory stuff under control. I, before I do any, and I, you know, I do a lot of regenerative therapies on my patients, but, you know, those patients who come in and want me to just, you know, do stem cells, like it's, it's stupid. It's a waste of your money yes. until we get all this other stuff under control. Yeah, but how often do you see that? You know, people are, there are so many stem cell regenerative orthopedic yep. places around and, you know, yeah, and, and people are going there and, and, you know, and, you know, and, and they spent, you know, $5,000, $10,000. I just saw patients yeah. literally spent $30,000, you know, for this sort of all over stem cell. I mean, literally, so this, this doctor injected stem cells into almost every joint in her body. And, and I'm like, okay, well, when every joint in your body was bad, did you think maybe there was something else going on? Something, yeah, <laughs> systemic. <laughs> Hello, you know, yeah, but but you know, but again, go back to the go back yeah, and go back. back. To, yeah, yeah I think it, yeah. everything. That's what I've learned from you and and from my studies over the last few years is go back, go back up the tree, and then you'll hit all of the diseases. Right. It, it, you know, it, mitochondria, it, 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 inflammation. It's, it's all the same disease. Yeah, what we know is this. It's this, this inflammation inflammaging process and you know and it's affecting you can go every single disease is over aggressive pro-inflammatory cytokines disruption in mitochondrial function disruption in autophagy every single disease disease is aging and so you know um the immune system goes awry it's it's a dysfunction of our immune system you know and, and our immune system goes awry for a lot of reasons one is just aging in itself creates you know but 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 that's a result of viral exposures for instance right that you you know you get viruses make you you know yeah epstein-barr virus or covid or or cmv or herpes viruses we've all been exposed to these viruses which stress our immune system a lot of them stick around but even those exposures like Epstein-Barr virus, very linked to lymphomas and leukemia. Yep, that's why mom's you know, got why, it. Why, right? You know, mm-hmm. because, you know, so, so, and yet, like, oh, everybody gets, you know, Epstein-Barr virus. Well, sometimes it becomes sort of a latent virus that's continuing to create problems. Yeah. Or we've, ring, we've linked herpes simplex virus six to dementias. You know, these viruses are not just benign entities. So we need to get more aggressive at, at helping the immune system, getting eradicating, you know, focusing on eradicating viruses, you know, and, and, and getting the immune system as healthy as possible to fight cancers and all these other diseases. So it does, it's like putting antivirals into the mix occasionally? Or yeah, I do. Stuff? I use a fair number of antivirals, honestly. Yeah, um, just to you know, clean, make sure we're not... Make sure, right. I think there's very little downside sometimes. Exactly. If you've got these latent viruses, and we'll run viral scans on people a lot too, um, but if, if you've got these latent viruses that are sitting around doing, you know, stressing our immune systems, you know, it's, it's one of the big worries with, with COVID and, you know, um, yeah. is that it, it, it doesn't just go away. The spike protein doesn't just go away. So it's continuing to create this, you know, this response. Ongoing. Co- so ongoing, what, what sort know. of what antivirals are there and are there any natural ones and what couple of the drugs that you might ask your doctor for? Well, you know, so epigallocatechin has some antiviral properties. It's where the pedicin is nice. 
um, because it has the antiviral properties. Um, you know, th things like like curcumin has some nice antiviral properties as well. So those are kind of natural ways. Honestly, I I will do a fair amount of using valcyclovir in in people because it's sort of a very safe. You know, we use mm -hmm. it for um, primarily for herpes virus, but it actually has, if you look at its viral spectrum, oh. it actually has some benefits over across the board, even with Epstein Barr has some, you know, has some some antiviral benefits. So I'll put a lot of my patients on an extended course of valcyclovir if if they have these immune systems. There's little tar things we can look for in just a complete blood count, for instance, that say, yeah, this is a stressed immune system. The lymphocytes are low, the neutrophils are high, the monocytes are high. Those are all things that say, you know, we we really have a stressed immune system. And we do have a kind of a low threshold to put some of those patients on antiviral viral therapies. Um, you know, again, there, the, the hope would be we could find some great antiviral that treats all these viruses, but probably that's, you know, dreaming. Yeah. That's dreaming. Yeah. Um, but, but that, again, that's, that's where penicillin, if you start looking at, you know, it's really hard to treat viruses. Yeah. We don't have Ross River virus, but I think you guys do. Australia does, um, you know, which is a virus that when you get induced to it, initiates this horrible progressive arthritis. So does dengue fever, those wow. kinds of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, so there's a link between viruses and arthritis as well. So I do have a kind of a low threshold to use antiviral agents to help the Get immune system gone. a little bit, right? So you don't um, develop these things later on. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. you've got to look at hormones too, right? Because hormones have huge immune modulating properties. You know, testosterone is very immune modulating. Progesterone is very immune modulating. So that's another reason as we age, our, our immune systems start to go awry because we don't have hormones anymore unless you're replacing them. Yeah. So that, that has to be put into the mix too if we're going to do that. So, you know, this whole, again, be it cancer, be it metabolic disease, be it cardiovascular disease, be it neurologic, arthritis, they are all the same disease. And you've got to get the immune system healthy as possible. You have to stop oxidative stress, you know, and, and again, all the stuff you preach all the time with diet and appropriate exercise, not too much exercise, right? Oh, too much, yeah. That stresses the immune yeah. system. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just keeping that balance. And what about so some of the growth factors? Um, a uh, growth factor is good. So, like, if you've got a lot of human growth hormone, or you're, um, if you've got lots of testosterone and lots of, uh, what's the other one? Uh, Insulin-like growth factors and things are they yeah. going to impact the um, joint negatively when you're growing all the time? Like this so is where the well, autophagy actually, piece comes you know, in. No. So we used to back in the old days. Actually, there was a lot of studies injecting growth hormone in joints, and it was super, super beneficial to the joint to inject growth hormone to the joint. There was a doctor who was doing a ton of it, um, and that became really hard to get growth hormone. Yeah. But we will still actually enjoy, inject IGF sometimes into okay. joints, into articularly, with significant benefits in helping people with inflammation. So IGF is beneficial. There's like all growth factors, there's a balance. We know that, for instance, too much transforming growth factor, TGF, you know, beta, um, is not good, right? So, th so there's kind of this balance. You need to have yeah. sort of, like too much is bad, too little is bad. So that's what you always have to look at when you're inducing things. But you know, when you look at growth factors, it's one of the ways stem cells are working. They're contain they contain tons of growth factors. Growth factors yep. They're modulatory in that they usually don't overshoot. So again, if you overhit IGF, if you, you know, if you if you push your remember, growth hormone induces insulin-like growth factor. That's how we get IGF. Is growth hormone tells our liver to produce IGF. IGF goes everywhere. It has great properties. It's immune modulating. It helps with, with, with pain. It helps with deep sleep. But if you get too high, you, too much growth, 
bad. Then you lead to cancers and things like that. So there's always this balance. Always this Goldilocks, right? There's always this kind of like not doing too much of something to get that balance. And you know, um, and and that's where you have to be a little careful with just you know, like what some of the people who are doing just massive growth hormone injections and things like that. Using peptides to modulate growth hormone can be a lot safer because you usually aren't going to get these huge escalating levels. You get this nice kind of balance. And then what you want for most growth factors is you want them to kind of go up and down. You don't want them continuously turned on. So, you know, there is, there, there is some research actually showing using, you know, blockers of some growth factors can be helpful in arthritis, you know, when it's very, when they're very upregulated. Mm. So it, it, it really is this kind of, um, if, you know, for those of you who are doing, you know, like saying, oh, you know, I'm just going to keep, keep taking more CJC and epimorellum, which, yeah. you know, which are increasing, you know, growth hormone release and, and, and increasing IGF. Well, you want to make sure that, you know, this, there's, there is a too much, you know, and, and what, what's usually best is to kind of cycle things, you know, going, bring them up, bring them down, bring them up, bring them down. That's why, you know, fasting, fasting really lowers IGF, right? So it's not really the really low IGF that's beneficial. It's the rebound after you stop fasting that you get this rebound IGF. That's actually where the benefit of repair comes from is the refeed after fasting. So fasting induces autophagy, which is great, but it's not really particularly beneficial for regeneration. What's beneficial for regeneration is the rebound when you refeed. That's why the refeed to fasting is as important as the fast itself. Wow. So those are all, you know. Um, but fasting all- is, a, is another big piece in which we didn't cover. It, it, it yeah. is uh, a, a, an important part of either intermittent fasting or longer fast, if, you know, under the guidance of your doctor if you're doing a longer fun. But um, it can be very beneficial to clear out these old senescent right. cells, these zombie cells, and start this process. And then there are also senolytics, which we can put in the mix too. Right. True. Yeah. So, you know, fasting, cheapest way to induce autophagy. You know, yeah. if you look at things like spermidine, yeah, so yeah, pricey. <laughs> not eating is actually, so spermidine is a, is a fasting mimetic. <laughs> it actually treats your, it acts, tricks your body into thinking you're fasting in a sense. But it's a lot cheaper to just not eat, right? That's actually yeah. less expensive so than fun. anything you can do, right? But mm-hmm. it's also, yeah, it's, it's tough, right? It's tough for a lot of people yeah. um, to fast. And, and, and again, one of the questions is how long do you truly have to fast? You know, we don't know the answer to that. Um, definitely I try and get all my patients to at least time restrict their eating. Yeah. We know that that has benefit to eat within a smaller window has benefits, you know, and then you're right. We use a lot of synolytic agents too, like rapamycin, um, you wow. know, because, you know, rapamycin is a drug. It's an old chemotherapeutic drug, but it's, it's actually not a great chemotherapeutic agent, but it's a very good immune modulating agent. And we know that rapamycin induces autophagy. It extends lifespan in every mammalian species. You know, the, the, so the why, are, but, how, but how does rapamycin be? Because I've always heard, yeah, you don't go rapamycin because it's immune, uh, can damage your immune system. No. Not the case? Not the case. Um, you know, kind of, it's the unfortunate sort of reputation rapamycin got yeah. because it started as a chemotherapeutic right. agent. Yeah. But if if it's used in smaller amounts and not on a regular basis, it's immune modulated. It's not immunosuppressive. And again, remember, you don't stay on rapamycin continuously. You you use it for a short period. You know, we'll do one day a week. Basically, um, you'll you'll take rapamycin just one day out of every week. Or some people will do a, a protocol where they do one week out of every month. You know, Mikhail Blagosglani, who's probably the 
best researcher and the most knowledgeable person who's out of Russia, uh, you know, on rapamycin, you know, he, 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 he sort of believes in, uh, you know, a little higher dose for you know, like a week at a time. Mm-hmm. We we're a little more conservative with it, but we do, you know, one, one day a week out of every, or one day out of every week, yep. just a small dose. So you use wow. it basically because the goal again, you don't want to keep suppressing. We want to, yeah. you know, it's to me, it's like yeah. cleaning house, right? If you don't ever accumulate any stuff, you're probably not living very well. So you're going to accumulate some stuff, but then you got to, you got to get rid of it or you become a hoarder. Yeah. So that's what rapamycin does. It's like clean out. Okay. Now I can regrow a little clean out. So basically like what, what we do a lot of is just one day a week and rapamycin has some huge benefits in, in, we know from, from a longevity perspective, it may be one of the, you know, the best longevity drugs we have, wow. but there's some great studies on it with arthritis. There's some great studies on it from cardiovascular and brain. So, you know, again, all those age related diseases. Um, so I will lots of times, and again, there's little things I'll look at in people's labs, a little cue me and to say, Hey, this is a person who I have to get more aggressive with autophagy and I'll use things like rapamycin. So rapamycin is probably the, you know, penultimate Phenolytic agent that's out there, and again, the studies are going on right now for humans. Humans are hard because we live a long time, so it's much easier to study other animals. Yeah, but the dog studies are really compelling. You know, wow. I mean, I have, I have more patients who are buying rapamycin for their dogs and themselves. <laughs> dogs to live for I'm on some rapamycin, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> you know? um, but but it's you know the dog studies are pretty compelling. These dogs are living you know, a third longer than other dogs, you know, so it's it, oh, know, there's not, a, there's not a mammalian species that has not responded to rapamycin. So does it work know, with the uh, against cancer or is it anti-cancer or is it sort of, a, yeah, it's definitely has some anti-cancer properties. Definitely. All right. We need yeah. some for mum, please. Can you give me some for mum? You know, yeah. I mean, it's, certainly again, it's, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, the, the, the research is ongoing. We can't, yeah. you know, we, we don't have the definitive. I think the hardest thing to know is, what is the right dose? I don't yep. think that there's there's a question that it's ha- it has benefits from longevity. I think the question is, are we doing enough? We tend to kind of err to the side of conservative and we're basing our study stuff off some of the animal studies, you know, and, and maybe what we're doing is not enough. It's pretty low enough. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. going pretty conservative on it. But, it, it, you know, there's the research is compelling and, you know, it's and expanding on all the benefits of it really is is pretty huge. And probably I mean, Blagas Blani says you should start it around age 25. Honestly. Wow. You should long start long. it pretty young because that's when you actually start accumulating damage. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, so could we actually if we start everybody, you know, are we the goal is going to be honestly, you know, Lisa, is it you know, the problem is that people who are listening to us tend to be, you know, 40s plus. Right. Yeah. And if we, we need to start getting the we need know, to hurry up. 20 year olds. <laughs> right. We need to get the 20 year olds to start thinking this way. It's like my kids are, you know, um, you know, I have five kids, but, you know, I've got three now in their 20s and, you know, they're they're very much thinking along this line. You know, but but and they're trying to sort of teach their friends. My daughter yeah. is like 26 is trying to put together a podcast for that younger group. Wow. Because they they're they're not, you know, they're, they're not listening to you and I very much. Right? <laughs> <laughs> 20 year old. Um, they never do. <laughs> and Metformin is another one um, that Metformin I'm like, swear by exactly. for a lot. Yeah, yeah. 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 I forgot Metformin, but Metformin has some really interesting studies in arthritis yep. too. Yep. Um, you know, very compelling studies in arthritis as well. So it's not just in its, its you know, synolytic properties, but, but directly on some of its effect actually on, you know, cartilage. So the studies on metformin as, a, as an anti-arthritic drug were, were super interesting. Um, so that's another, you know, again, very safe drug that has cardiovascular protection. You'll get 
again, overlap, like renal protection, cancer protection, obesity protection. You know, the big question of metformin is, is it, is, does it impede muscle growth, right? That's the yep. big, because it's a, it's an mTOR inhibitor. Is it a P, you know, is it too, too, too much, much muscle AMB growth, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and I, you know, what I do with metformin is I, you know, I love metformin. I take metformin, um, but I cycle off of it, you know, and I cycle off of it periodically. So yep. I think the key there is maybe cycling it a little bit. But like I the still, I know a lot of anti-aging docs, docs that said, ah, it kind of abandoned metformin. I still think it's a really good drug oh, and inexpensive. Yeah. Um, I'm know, on so, it. Yeah, I've got my, uh, yeah. my family Honestly, on it. <laughs> and I have not noticed really, uh, uh, you know, I mean, I've got I've still got good muscles. I haven't noticed that. not noticed a big... I think know, you have to work harder, maybe. But, yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I think, you, you know, you do have to maybe have to exercise a little bit more. I don't know. Um, but I, I think it's other health benefits are so incredibly yeah. compelling. Yeah. Um, and sugar, you know, insulin right. resistance and all keeping, that. Stuff. Right. Keeping glucose controlled. So I, you know, I, and it's, it's, a, you talk about inexpensive. Yeah. It's a very inexpensive drug. I you know, comparatively yeah. to things like, you know, like rapamycin stuff. So I do, I mean, um, I include it when I give this talk on arthritis. I, you know, the, there's, there's a study that came out in 2020 that, you know, it, was, it said there was evidence that was significant benefit for osteoarthritis and preventing cartilage de- de- degeneration, but also in pain. It seemed to really huh. help pain. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think, again, here's, you know, if you go to your doctor and you ask them for metformin for your joint pain, they're going to be like, you're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, if you can compel a doctor to give you a prescription for it. Because you're pre-diabetic um, or something, you'll get it. But, right, um, right, right. Or if you've got a, a good doctor that's actually up right. on the, that's, the that's research of metformin. But yeah, if you Google metformin and osteoarthritis, there's a couple of great studies that come out that show, you know, it marked improvement. Like in mice, they would damage the joint. Mice would be limping around. They put them on metformin and they would stop limping. So we know it has these great anti-inflammatory wow. benefits as well. Yeah, I swear by mm-hmm. it. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of that. Dr. Yus, you've been so generous with your time today. Thank you. It's been uh, a, a really interesting uh, episode. And I think um, one that's going to help so many people, lots of athletes and lots of people dealing with, with arthritis and and understanding those whole d- d- disease processes. And that's what we've talked about on a number of times on this podcast yeah. is sort of going to get people to understand that whole going back, go back up the ladder, go back up and right. see what's, you know, right. causing what's all wrong, of this. What's causing the problem, right? Not just treating the problem. Exactly. Yeah. It's just it's, it's just gold, and uh, I would like people to go and check out Dr. Yus, uh well, Bold Longevity Institute. If everyone wants to uh, become uh, get under Dr. Yus and her team there, uh, highly recommend it. I have mum under there, and uh, that's been absolutely game changing for me, uh, for us. Uh, but also your longevity, your your um, yes, we, we have an academy, right? Academy. You, you guys be able to learn this stuff and listen yeah. to this stuff because this you, know, you, you guys, you know, Lisa's teaching you. You guys have got to like learn this stuff because your doctors don't know it. So that's what our, our we realized we weren't making headway in trying to teach doctors. So we just go right to the consumer to to you know, <laughs> the ones who need it. So, yeah, so oh. if you go to if you join bli.academy, if you go to bli.academy and you join that academy, there's some free content content on there and there's some paid content, but the um but there, we 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 try and put together lectures every month to teach you more like we would teach doctors, you know, sharing literature, those kinds of things. So not just, you know, the problem with with a lot of podcasters and people are doing this and you, you, you not, but yeah, you know, a lot of them are give trying to sell science. something, right? A lot, yeah. a lot of times it, 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 people are trying to sell things. So we're trying to just give you science, not sell anything and just share with you information and help you digest it. So 
So, you know, go to that. I try on my Instagram at, at Dr. Yurth to share cool studies that come up yes, um, and just put little tidbits about them there. So you guys can go look at the studies, but I try and keep an eye on cool studies that you guys can look at too. But they, the key is you guys have to learn like physicians should learn, which is from the science that's out there. And and then, you know, make decisions based on that, not on somebody just saying, hey, this is a good thing to do. Yeah. And go and, yeah, go and, if you do listen to podcasts and things, you know, do go and do your own research. It's about, right. like, you know, um, because you have to actually go and look at the studies yourself. And even if you, you're not well versed in that, do a little bit more background yeah, just, because yeah, for you, it might not be appropriate. And this is why this right. is not medical advice and this is only for education yep. and yep. entertainment. But it does put you on the right path to to understanding stuff and then going to your doctor and maybe taking some of the studies with you and going, hey, can I yeah. can I get this? Is this something that would help me? And it, and it opens their minds uh, yeah, too exactly. often. And that, yeah, you know, that's slowly happening. Now, I learned tons from my patients. Boy, yeah. my COVID long haul patients have taught me so much because this is a tough disease and a lot of them are doing tons of research and they're like, Hey, I just learned about this yeah. cool thing. Can we try it? I'm like, yeah, it looks really cool. And then I start learning about it, you know? So I learned a ton from my patients. If you have a good doctor, they will appreciate you helping teach them. Yes. And not the other way around. You know, way around, like, right? It is. It's really got to be this two way co-learning. Yeah. Uh, yeah, co-learning exactly. is, the, is the word Dr. Yu, thank you so much today yeah, um, we'll put all those links um, and, and I hope that you're having a good time over there in Boulder everything okay now after yeah, I'm waiting for spring, it's still cold and snowy here but <laughs> yeah, here. we're coming to the end of summer so that's not so good <laughs> all right, all right. thank you Thanks, so much Lisa. bye guys that's it this week for Pushing the Limits Be sure to rate, review and share with your friends and head over and visit Lisa and her team at lisatarmaty.com.